this church today make me carry my pulpit with me when I'm traveling. Yes. It's in his conscience. You know, I think it's a sin for a man to have that much hair, don't you? I just think that's a mortal sin for a fellow to have that much hair. Wow. Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I, uh, I am glad that you're here. I hope you've had a good week. I know it's been a busy week because of the season. I don't usually get out in the traffic uh, during the season because I want to keep my sanctification. And I had to go to Mall Road yesterday to, to, get, to get a book. And uh, I almost lost my sanctification on Mall, on Mall Road. I, I don't know how you can keep your Christianity on Mall Road during Christmas. It was a mess. It was a mess. Well, if you're here for the first time, we are glad that you are here and we welcome you and uh, we want to give you a special welcome as our guest today and thank you for coming. And, and if you're a first time guest, let me give you an invitation to come to our Christmas Eve service, six o'clock, and we're going to have a beautiful service, songs and carols and candlelight and message and uh, those services are usually some of the highlights of the year, and so I hope that you will come, and people will come with you if you will, if you will invite them. Now, if you are a guest and you're wondering who I am, uh, I'm the guest preacher for the month of December. I'm a regular here at Burlington Baptist Church, and I always feel honored to return. Not every place that I go to preach asks me back. I don't know why. I, I don't know what I did to them. But uh, you asked me back, and I am most grateful. And, and it's welcome to the Burlington Baptist Church family. It wouldn't be Burlington Baptist if you weren't here, and I am thankful that you are here. Now, last week when I honored the military, we honored and had them stand. I failed to see, I can't see hardly at all, but I failed to see that there was a lady who served in the military in church. Is she here this morning? Where is she? Stand up. There she is. Thank you, ma'am, for your service. Thank you. We had a cousin. I had a cousin who served in World War II, and back then women didn't serve much. And so thank you. Thank you very much. Well, this is the second Sunday of Advent, and our series for the Advent is I'll Be Home for Christmas. And today we're going to talk about Come home to peace. Let me pray, and then we will get into it. Father, the miracle birth of Jesus has brought to our lives and world so much hope, so much peace, joy, and love, and most of all, salvation. Father, for many, this Christmas represents a challenge, maybe some loneliness, some depression, some struggle with addiction, or some financial pressure. And some are forced to face issues with family and friends that are touchy and sensitive, especially during Christmas. So, Father, we ask that you will help all of us to find greater strength in the Christ who lives within us. And as we think about coming home to the peace of Christmas today, we pray for peace. We pray, Father, for an end of this terrorism and the end of war. We pray for peace among all nations. We pray for peace in families. 
Father, the people we think about, can you help us to let go of one old grudge or to heal one old wound or help us to solve just one problem that we need fixed? Now, Father, we do pray for our military. We pray for those families that will be separated during this season. We thank you for the sacrifices that they are making for our peace. And we pray for our military, wherever they are, wherever they're serving, we just pray for their protection. Now, of course, we need the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear. We pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, There was a family that went out to supper to a country diner, and on the wall there was a moose head, and someone had put a party hat on top of that moose's head. All during the dinner, the little five-year-old girl just kept looking up at that moose's head, and finally her father tried to explain. He said, honey, he said, you know, there are some people that like to go kill wild game, and there's really nothing wrong with that. He said, Daddy, I understand that, but why did they have to kill him on his birthday? (laughs) Now, the moral of that corny story is this. We do not typically associate violence with the celebration of a birth. But that's exactly the case with the birth of Jesus. Jesus was born into a world full of violence, strife, oppression, and the paranoia was so great that when King Herod heard that there was a new king born in Bethlehem, he sent his soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the babies under two years old. Now, that is a picture you will never see on a Christmas card. But that was the world of the day of Jesus. And even though on that starry night, and the angels said to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased. The peace of Christmas. Get real, Christ. Where in the world is it? Come on. Henry Longfellow catches our cynicism in his song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and he says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Good Come home to the peace of Christmas. Get real. Violence, war, mass shootings, that's more like it. And it's not only on a national scene, it is also personal. Now, you know the day after Thanksgiving is the busiest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. Let's all go to Walmart on Black Friday. I recently read something that shocked me, that 
The day after New Year's is the biggest day for filing divorces in the United States. We all hear the angel song of peace, and we really want to believe it. But it is hard to believe, isn't it? And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he dwells. The first thing, the angel's message implies that we need peace. The message of the angels implies that we need peace. The song of the angels implies that the world that we live in and the world at that time was not meant for the stress and the strife and the mass shooting and the terrorism that we live with. Now, the ancient people confirmed this with a greeting. In the days of Jesus, people would greet you and they would say, Shalom. Isn't that a beautiful word? Shalom. Say it with me. Shalom. Beautiful word. And when you left their presence, they would say, Shalom be with you. Now, in the Bible, the word Shalom is translated peace. But that is not a not a good translation. It's not powerful enough. Because you see, to the ancient people of God, shalom was more than the absence of conflict or war. Shalom meant completeness, wholeness, perfection. And the word expresses the hope that one day, that one day, the world would experience the harmony and peace for which it was created. They expected that one day there would be physical shalom. Now, now, what, what is sickness and death? Sickness and death is our, as our body at war with itself. All of us are going to die. And it probably be some disease that takes us out. And that just means, that disease means, that our body is at war with itself. But the ancient people of God expressed the hope that one day there would be physical shalom, that there would be no need for doctors, for hospitals, or funeral directors. They also expected that one day there would be communal shalom. Neighbors would love each other. We wouldn't have to have fences bobbed wire and policemen to keep us out of each other's hair. They also expected that one day there would be spiritual shalom. There would be no need for counselors, no need for confessionals, because there would be no guilt, there would be no shame. Hearts would be surrendered to God, and we would be at peace with God, and we would be at peace with ourselves. See, the Old Testament prophets imagine a world like this. And in their writings, the prophets describe this kind of world. And folks, when you read it, it almost sounds too good to be true. Listen to what they say. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together, and the leopard will lie down with the baby goat, and the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them off. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. 
The lion would eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safe near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the waters will fill the sea, so the, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Do you want to live in a world like that? <clears throat> Is it possible that one day there will be no cemetery? Is it conceivable that one day we will not need courthouses all around us? Because we will not be suing people. There will be no filing for divorces. Is it possible that one day we will not need hospitals and nursing homes and rehab centers? Is it possible that one day we will not need armies? These Old Testament prophets thought so. They thought that one day the whole earth would be bathed in shalom and it would begin at the coming of their Messiah. That helps us to understand the text in Isaiah the ninth chapter. Look at, listen to this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and get this, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it <clears throat> with justice and with righteousness from this day forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord will do this. And that night, when the angels were out in the fields, over the fields singing, peace on earth, they weren't just saying, wow, isn't this a nice, peaceful, calm night here in Bethlehem? They were saying, those Old Testament prophets weren't crazy. They were on to something. One day the whole earth will be bathed in shalom and the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Because the message of the angels also declares that a peace creator has come. A peace creator has come. You see, the hope of peace on earth is based on the good news that a prince of peace was going to leave heaven and come to us. You see, Christmas is heaven's peace initiative. Christmas is heaven's peace initiative. You see this in Luke, the seventh chapter. A streetwalker, a streetwalker comes in off the street where Jesus is, and she has no shalom, no communal shalom because <laughs> the religious leaders knew what she did for a living, and they rejected her and they despised her. She had no spiritual shalom. She had no relationship with God whatsoever. She was full of shame and guilt because of what she did for a living. But she bows at Jesus' feet, and she cries so hard that she wets his feet with her tears. And Jesus said to her, Woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. In Luke, the eighth chapter, there is a poor woman who had suffered 12 years from a bleeding disorder. 
She had no physical ability. Her body was at war with itself. She had no communal shalom. The community considered her unclean. She had no spiritual shalom. She couldn't even go to the house of God to worship. But she reaches out to Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in The first words that Jesus said to his disciples after the resurrection was, peace be with you. Now, folks, Jesus boldly asserts that he can give the gift of peace. Now, all world leaders, (laughs) all world leaders promise peace. And it does not matter if they're a conservative or a liberal or a capitalist or a socialist or a communist or a dictator. Every leader promises peace to his people. But none of them, none of them can deliver. And why is that? They can't deliver because they cannot deal with the reason there is no peace. And according to the Bible, the absence of peace is the presence of sin. And leaders can promise peace all they want. But they cannot deal with the problem because they cannot deal with the reason there is no peace. So Jesus comes up. And Jesus says, I can give you peace. Colossians, the first chapter. For in God, all his fullness was pleased to dwell in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now, folks, we cannot have the peace of God until we have made peace with God. Does that make sense? We cannot have the peace of God until we have made peace with God. And when Jesus died on the cross, He made it possible for us to have peace with the Almighty God. And that is why he can offer peace and nobody else can. Look what he said. Look what Paul says about him in Romans. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us, what's the word, right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right with in God's sight, We have, what's the word, peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Henry Carter is the CEO of a Baptist home for children with emotional trouble. Some of you may know him. Christmas is especially difficult for the children who who can't go home for Christmas because Most of them go home to be with their parents, but there are some children that are left there because they're too sick to go home or they have no family to go home to. And Christmas, for those who are left behind, is rather unsettling and it is stressful. One Christmas Eve, Henry was preparing for the Christmas service and the Christmas party for the few children that didn't go home for Christmas and foremother knocked on the door of his office. It was Tommy again. 
Tommy had crawled under the bed and refused to come out. Henry went to Tommy's room. Not a hair, not a toe peeked out from under the bed. Henry got down on his knees, lifted up the bedspread, and there were these two big blue eyes that were looking back at him. And down on his all fours, Henry Carter went through the whole menu, the special Christmas Eve supper. He, he, he described the stocking that had Tommy's name on it hanging over the fireplace. No response from Tommy. And finally, with no other way to make contact with Tommy, Henry Carter got down on his stomach and wiggled and scooted under the bed so he could be beside Tommy. And for a long time, beside Tommy, he lay with his cheek on the cold floor. And finally he said, I talked to Tommy about the wreath over the, over the, in the chapel. I talked to him about the candles in the window. I reminded him of a carol that the kids were going to sing in the closet. And then I ran out of things to say. So I just lay there with Tommy in the dark. And after a few minutes, a small little hand slipped into his. And Henry said, Tommy, <laughs> it's kind of close quarters under here, son. Do you think we could get out and stand up? And they did. Now, folks, in the same way that Henry Carter would stop at nothing to get close to little Tommy, God came close to us through the prophets, through those holy men and women of the Old Testament, and it was as if God was on his hands and knees speaking to us face to face through those holy people. And then one starry night, God got all the way down <clears throat> and crawled on his hands and knees to us. And he came to us <coughs> in our darkness and in our alienation to bring us back to God. I like what John 14.1 says in the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that good? Simon Tugwell once wrote, God has followed us into our own darkness, and there where we thought to finally escape him, we ran straight into his arms. Folks, through Jesus, we can be made right with God and experience the peace of God. And the only way to experience the peace of Christmas is to let Jesus Bring us back to the heavenly father. And you're sitting there saying, Brother LD, you're trying to convert me. Yes, I am. Unapologetically, I am trying to convert you. Because there may be people in this room this morning that do not know the peace of God because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And I am trying to convert you so you can experience the peace. That God offers. All right, let's do one of my reviews. Gives you a little chance to relax and get your brain. As I said last week, look at your watch. <laughs> Are you with me? The angel's message of peace implies that we need peace. The angel message of peace declares the peace creator has come. 
and he will be called the Prince of Peace. But also, the angel's message of peace motivates us to be peacemakers. The angel's message of peace motivates us to be peacemakers. Peace accepted must be peace extended. Did you get that? Peace accepted must be peace extended. Let me tell you a story from World War II, true story. It was not uncommon in war for a truce to be declared on Christmas Eve, and it would last through Christmas Day. In World War II, on the German front, a soldier held in his hand a detonator, and he was about to set off some explosives that the Americans had secretly planted behind the German lines where a group of German soldiers were hunkered down. But the flare went up, announcing that the day of peace had started. The truce had started. And the soldier put the detonator away. After a little while, that soldier heard a voice singing in German, Silent Night, Holy Night. He not only recognized the song, But he recognized the voice. It was the voice of the famous German tenor, Johann Lieder. And the reason that soldier recognized his voice is because Johann Lieber had been his voice teacher. He had gone to Germany and taken voice under Johann Lieber. Well, the soldier sang back. Johann Lieber recognizes his voice. And they sing Silent Night in English and in German. And they continue to sing other songs about the Prince of Peace that had come into the world. And then early the next morning, the flare went up announcing the truce was over. And the American soldier picked up the detonator and with great sadness pushed the button. And many German soldiers were killed, including his music teacher, his voice teacher, Johann Lieber. Now that's how it often is, isn't it? We declare a truce during Christmas. We stop fighting so much. The volume in the house goes down a little bit. But it doesn't last long. And the wars and the conflicts in the family start up at the Christmas. And that's why the day after New Year's is the biggest day for filing a divorce. But I want to tell you, Christmas supplies us with the motivation to be peacemakers. What those angels sang that night was something that God wanted the whole earth to share in. But here's the problem. Too often we settle for a cold war instead of peace. But recently, Joyce and I were having a discussion. Really, it was an argument, but it sounds more spiritual to call it a discussion. And it was going nowhere. 
Finally, I said, stop, stop, stop. I said, Joyce, I will say I was wrong if you will say back you were right. I said, she said, okay. I said, I was wrong. She said, you're right, you're right, you're right. You see, we have to learn to live with flawed people because there's no other choice. I probably have told you before, God has some weird children. God has some peculiar Christians, some peculiar children. I've been doing this for 55 years, and I can testify God has some of the strangest children in the world. Odd, peculiar. And the only way to live with flawed people is to offer peace. And the only way to do that is to offer forgiveness. Folks, we are God's voice of peace. We are here to announce to the world that one of these days, this earth is going to be bathed in shalom. And that wasn't just the dream of those crazy old prophets who talked to God. It is real and it is coming and it starts with us and we have been sent out to increase the peace. Look what Paul said, or the Hebrew writer said, work at living with what? Peace with everyone. Now look at what Paul said. <coughs> so let's agree to use all of our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by false kindness. Now, let me ask you, are you at odds with somebody? Somebody at work, and boy, you're going to avoid them at the Christmas party at all costs. Somebody in your neighborhood, you come home and you drive by just as fast as you can, open that garage door, and go in the house just as quick as you can so you don't have to deal with them. Are you at odds with somebody in your family? <laughs> now, Families are going to get together at Christmas. And after family gatherings, there will be therapist appointments, and there will be counseling appointments, and you are dreading going because you are at odds with someone in your family. You know what Jesus said about that? If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering, your gift there before the altar. Go first, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, Joyce is gone, and I, I, I took the day off to, to watch President Bush's funeral. Well, there were a lot of great stuff said at his funeral. But Senator Alan Simpson from Wyoming said something. I've watched it three times. He said something that really, really hurt me. He said, George Bush never hated anyone because he knew hatred corrodes the container it carries. Hatred corrodes the container it carried in. 
you're thinking, well, Elder, why do I have to be the one to make the first move? I'm not asking you to make the first move. God has already made the first move. At Bethlehem, God started the peace process, and all he asked us is that we continue. And if you want a peaceful Christmas, go in the spirit of Jesus and fix those broken relationships. Are you estranged? Are you alienated? Are you cut off from another person? Can I encourage you, go in the spirit of Jesus and make peace. I don't know if you've ever read any of Gordon MacDonald's books. He is a great author, and he's a very excellent speaker. He's retired now. After a lecture he gave, he was approached by a Nigerian woman who was teaching. She was a physician who was teaching at a U.S. teaching hospital. She introduced herself with a very familiar American name. And, and McDonald asked her, well, what, what is your African name? And she replied to several syllables that were unfamiliar, but they had a musical sound to them. And he asked her, well, what does your African name mean? And she said, my African name means child who takes away the anger. And he said, well, explain that to me. She said, my parents were forbidden by both of their parents to marry. But they loved each other so much that they defied their parents, both sets of parents, and they married anyway. And for years, they were just ostracized by both their families. And then my mother became pregnant with me. And when my grandparents helped me in their arms for the first the walls of hostility came down, and I became the one who swept the anger away. And my mother and father named me Child Who Takes the Anger Away because I was the peace child. Mary's baby was the peace child. What did the prophet call him? Prince of Peace. And we needed peace. So he crawled into our darkness to bring us back to God. He crawled into our darkness to bring us back to each other. He was the peace child who takes the anger away. Who do you need to make peace with? Just remember what Simpson said. Anger corrodes the container that it carries. Peace is a gift you can't keep unless you give it away. Peace is a gift you cannot keep unless you give it away. And one day this whole earth, the new heaven and the new earth, is going to be bathed in shalom. And the zeal of the Almighty will do this. But right now, folks, we are ambassadors to carry the testimony that it's really coming. This peace is really coming. Longfellow finally brings the gospel to bear in his time. In the seventh stanza 
Have I heard the bells on Christmas Day? This stanza is a triumph. It is a thrill like the bursting forth of Easter Sunday morning. And he said, then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we will not just continue to let things go as they are because conflicts and cold wars are unacceptable to the people of God. We can't make anyone accept the offer of peace, but we are totally in control of whether or not we offer it, so help us to offer it. And so this Christmas, give courage and conviction so that we can be ambassadors of such good news that the day of shalom is sure and certain. It's going to come, but it begins with us. Father, convict every person here who needs to make peace with you. May this be the day that they receive Jesus Christ. He died for them so that they could have peace with God, peace with you, and peace with one another. And we pray this.